Greetings and salutations, my beautiful people. My name is Matt James, and welcome to Tea, Scones, and VO. Now, our next guest you may well have heard in several other productions that I myself have also been in. But it's not about me today. This is about my friend, Andrew Spooner. This is Stephen. Stephen is confused. He needs to get into this maze, but he can't find a way in. What do you think he should do? Of course! You think I posted that ad for shits and giggles. No, although I wasn't expecting a human to answer it. No matter, I'm sure you can learn on the job. The name's Gildan Varis, second lieutenant of the exalted father's strength. A retired. Go on, your turn. Name and current employment, if any. It's not just about me, it's about you. <laughs> it's about you as well. You're the host. We can't just make it about me because then I just get really nervous. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll, we'll make it a little bit about me, but for, for the most part, kind of about you. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> so the, the, probably the most British and most important questions that you are going to answer today. Uh, right. How do you build a scone? Well, here's the thing. Oh, there's a thing. I, I know, there's always a thing. We talk, we spoke about this via email, and I said I'm going to blow the lid off of this whole scone thing. <laughs> um, I'm not really. I just don't like scones, so I don't oh. care. Right? And that is completely bizarre, because I like sweet things. Jam's yeah. great. Uh, I guess cream's great. There's just something about scones that I can't deal with. Or scones. Scones? Scones. Scones? Scones? We've yeah, had this conversation. I had this conversation <laughs> with Jackie. It completely depends on where you are in the country, your frame of mind right. when you're saying scone um, or okay. scone. So it's a psychological aspect. It's it very much well. a psychological thing. Uh, okay. So my psychological attitude is I don't really care. <laughs> However, using my, my three years of acting training <laughs> and, and doing the Stanislavski approach, if I were to build a uh, scone stroke scone i imagine obviously scone on the bottom that makes sense that makes sense um then jam and then cream on top because cream is always the thing that you put on top right well yeah right yeah yeah on on any on anything you go you just go right oh i'm going to layer the cream between it you just go i'm gonna have it on top a a nice i'm just trying to think the only the only other thing I can think of where you might invert the let's do the chat the, the jam cream ratio inversion mm-hmm. is a Victoria sponge where I don't Ooh. think it really matters whether you have the cream on top or underneath the jam. And that's a whole other discussion. That is, that is a whole other discussion. I'm sure several bakers will either be sharpening some pitchforks or or like forming a <laughs> noose <laughs> um, while they come and try really? and find you and lynch you. Do, uh, they, do you get well, them in the comments? <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's your baker voice. It's excellent. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go scone, jam, cream. Stone, okay. scone, jam, cream. It's 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 a good mix. It makes more sense than you know cream on the bottom because like you. Well, underneath the scone, that makes more sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just like a really weird inverted <laughs> sandwich. If you've done that, you've like, you oh yes, I've, I've put cream and jam down. on both sides of the scone, and now my fingers are <laughs> sticky. I don't know what's happened here. I think I've done something wrong. <laughs> oh, but where where do you stand on this? Come on, see, I'm I'm I think I'm in your camp. Is that you've got to right. obviously the the scone on the bottom. You don't want any inverted scone messiness. Um, no. And then you do the layer of jam, 
and then you get mm-hmm. the cream to stick to the jam. But right. getting the entire thing to remain together while you bite into it is another thing entirely. Ah, well, I, as I said, I'm not a scone person, but I have borne witness to crumbly scones. Oh, and crumbly, crumbly scones, scones are a nightmare. They are, the are worst. They are a nightmare. <laughs> I've got this idea about an inverted scone in my head now, and I don't know why. <laughs> what is that? I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Have you seen Tenet yet? The Christopher no. Nolan epically complicated no, time but travel I've, I've, I've seen trailers. Well, they have this whole idea of time inversion which is people traveling backwards through time Mm. to sabotage the past so that would make an inverted scone a reverse time scone sent from the future (laughs) to presumably screw up present day scones it writes itself (laughs) it It writes itself this is a penny peep show (laughs) kieran are you listening inverted time scones inverted time scones the inverted time bakers Christopher Nolan could direct it. It could have really dull dialogue, but look great. I think this thing's got legs. Got legs. I think it's got legs. So whilst you may not care about scones, I'm sure you care about how you take your tea. Of course. Now, I can't can't imagine that this is a particularly controversial subject, though. Well, considering it's more personal preference than anything (laughs) else, no, but it's very British. Okay, well, obviously, um, are we talking about how do how how do we how do we make it? <laughs> how do we build it? Is that tea. how do we build a cup of tea, or do we? Let's okay. First, we boil the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> We're then currently doing a wiki put... how, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you put the tea bag in. You don't actually boil though. You just do you no. switch it off just before it boils because you don't want to scorch the tea. Well, then yes. you put the tea bag in the cup and you pour the hot water in and you let it brew for a little while i happen to like my tea quite strong okay so i let it brew for a minute or two then i take it out and just a smidge of milk not too much okay not so too much you want it to just, just a, no sugar color the t- color the tea slightly yes um, i know somebody who has so little tea in her tea that i used to say why don't you why don't you? she it's almost like she just boils the kettle fills the mug with hot water and then just waves the tea over the top for a couple of seconds <laughs> yeah and throws it away it's bizarre yeah just just bizarre. shows the the tea the the carton of milk and is like this is milk you will not be having this today and then just put it back in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> i remember reading douglas adams had a whole thing about how you should make tea <clears throat> and he was horrified by people putting milk in first that and then pouring the hot water in because he said it scalds the it scalds the milk or something. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it, for me, like doing it milk first is a little bit of a weird way anyway because I've always been taught no, you you put the tea bag in, you do the water, then you do the milk. <laughs> I've been taught. Who was your great tea sage? <laughs> My mother. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, many, it's many millennium down. ago, my mother sat me down on her knee and said, "Matt, this is how you make a cup of tea." And now you are a man. <laughs> Why does she sound like an old man? <laughs> because my old lady voice kind of sounds a little bit like this. Oh yeah, every Monty Python female ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So is that particularly controversial? What I've said, I, I don't. I don't think it's particularly controversial. I just, it's it's British, and you know, we march to the beat of our own drum a lot of the time, anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. I mean, much to the beat of our own drum while we're decimating other nations, sure. But Yes, we like to invade everybody and then shut our borders and kick everybody out. We're, yeah. we're a bit schizophrenic like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some might call us hypocritical, and they yes, right. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I can't argue with that. It's like whenever I meet anybody now that says, oh, I used to live in South Africa or I used to live in Australia. I met somebody the other day who lived in Canada and emigrated. And I just look at them and go, why? Why did you why leave? Why are you here? You've got like mountains. You've got, an, they, you've got um, proper health care in Canada. Yeah. And you've got all that. Spe- I mean, admittedly, you're right next door to Donald Trump, which doesn't help. Well, no. But he's going to be out soon. So, yeah. yeah, let's not do geopolitics. I'll just start <laughs> renting. <laughs> That could open a, a particularly nasty can of worms, I feel. Yes, I probably already upset a lot of people, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. What are they going to do? Well, I think we're back back to the lynch mob again, aren't we? Really, aren't we? Yeah, and that's just the scones. Scrolls, scones, scones. Scones, scones. Skins. <laughs> yeah, no, no, too far. Too far, mate, too far. Okay, so now we've got the the British things out of the way, we can move on to the to <laughs> okay the meat and potatoes, as it were, of of the po- podcast content. Um, okay, how did you first get started in video? Obviously, we know you do various other things, but we'll start with video. <clears throat> it was a bizarrely, I mean, like anything else, I think in everybody's life, if if you do anything creative. Mm. You're an actor, you're a puppeteer, you're a voiceover, you're a painter, you're a, whatever it is, you're a writer. It, there's no one linear <laughs> journey there's that no you one take. Path to it. No, I mean, I I would say that before I, if I, in hindsight, looking back at kind of all the stuff that I was interested in as a kid um, growing up in the 70s, what I should have done is I should have gone to film school because I liked cameras. I was interested mm. in cameras. I was into acting. I liked acting. I liked makeup and special effects and puppets and music and all of that stuff. And I felt like, and I feel like for most of my career, I've been like this magpie sitting in a nest and I get distracted by a shiny object on the ground and I go, oh, what's that? And I go down and pick <laughs> it up and I play with it for a while, but then I see something, oh, what's that? That looks interesting. And I go and get distracted by that. Um, and in that sense, I've been really, really lucky to do the things that I've done but in terms Mm. of my voice work and I've spoken about my puppetry on other podcasts and stuff I grew up in a house where initially we didn't have a telly for a while okay and so this was the early 70s Um, I don't think we got a TV until 77 78 so I would have been about six seven by the time we had a telly so all of my entertainment came through the wireless as (laughs) my grandmother would have used through the wireless as my grandmother would have said and um and so that was it. I mean, for me, it was a lifelong love of that as a medium. Mm. Um, and growing up listening to the plays that my... Because my nan used to live with us. She would listen to the Radio 4 play in the afternoon or, or you know, stuff like that. And my dad um, had uh, the, the, the most epic reel-to-reel collection of shows like The Goon Show and The Navy Lark mm. and Round the Horn and stuff like that. And I just devoured them. Um, and also, uh, we, it's something I might want to bring up later as well is um i got diagnosed as dyslexic quite late in life uh kind of early early to mid 20s and i kind of look back on my life and go oh well that makes a lot of sense because i like the idea of reading uh, but i really struggled with it and it wasn't until i was probably in my early teens that i kind of really clicked so my imagination and the way i think has always been very visual anyway 
Um, so listening to radio plays, um, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and all that stuff, you know, I, I really, you know, vividly created images in my head. Um, and, you know, and I, 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 and I would just get swept away on these things. So initially, what I wanted to do um, when I started studying for my A-levels at college was I wanted to go into local radio. Um, we had a pretty good local radio station, BBC Radio Kent, which at the time was down in Chatham. And after I finished my O-levels, I went for a, an interview. And the guy was really, <clears throat> really, really nice. And he said, look, I really like you and, I, and I'd offer you this job. But here's the thing. Um, in six months' time, the BBC is doing massive layoffs. And you, as a newbie and as a non-union member at that point, you're going to be the first one out the door. Yeah. So I will give you the job if you want it. I mean, it wasn't, it was literally just a runner. You were just, you know, emptying the bins and making the tea, whatever. But I would advise that you go off and maybe do a couple of years of A-levels and get some more qualifications and think about it. And so uh, I always wonder what would have happened if I'd taken that job. But anyway, I'd be Radio Kent guy at this point, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) I said Kent. Um, And um, so I went off and did A-levels. And then at that point, I got kind of distracted by the whole acting thing. And I went down that route. But I never lost that love for radio, and um, I spent years as a as a presenter on hospital radio for one of my local hospitals, Hospital Radio Tunbridge Wells. So I've got that I've got that firmly entrenched uh, hospital radio voice, which kind of sits <laughs> somewhere around there. So uh, hi there, and welcome to Hospital Radio. I don't know where it's kind of mid Atlantic, smashy nicey kind of thing. Yeah, I've got cassettes. Kind of str- yeah, oh my god, straying over to Australian sets. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. There is a bit of Australian in there, isn't there? So I've got cassettes and cassettes of me doing that voice, and it's horrific. They're they're buried at the bottom of the garden. But what I just loved that thing of being in a studio, um, you know, on my own for three hours, creating something. Because you, you you were supposed to plan shows and stuff and write things down, but we, nobody ever did. That was the dirty little secret of hospital radio. So you would just turn up and wing it. <clears throat> but when it worked and when it worked well, it was a fantastic feeling. And I personally always like to have the either the very early morning shows, which would start at 6 a.m. till 9, mm. or the late show, which was 9 to midnight. Because at that point, nobody else was in the studio because they'd all started off to the pub or whatever. So you were completely on your own yeah. and you could do what you liked, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, you had a, cap- a literal captive audience. <laughs> uh, literally. Oh, it's terrible terrible that's a terrible joke but so true <laughs> so i did that and i and it kind of just it I, it was always there as something that i enjoyed so uh even when i started my career career as an actor and a puppeteer i was always still listening to radio plays and going and kind of just in the back of my head it was like um how do i do this how do i get into it um and what happened was is as a puppeteer especially working for the Henson company now the Henson's have a fairly strict rule that anybody who operates a puppet voices the puppet um, okay it just means that stuff can happen on set you can improvise uh it's it's a it's a lot easier for everybody so Henson puppeteers tend to be really really good actors as well and improvisers um <clears throat> so when I started doing Henson stuff um occasionally I think the first thing I did was there was a CD-ROM for Muppet Treasure Island because that was 94, 95, something like that. And so I'd done a puppet on that. So then there were some little extra bits on that. And they said, oh, we kind of like that voice. Could you come into the studio and just do 
a few lines of dialogue so I'd, I'd go and do that and then the same thing happened you know many many years later when we were doing uh, the Sesame Street spin-off Furchester Hotel there was lots of online content uh, video games and I think there was even a radio station and things like that so I was spending a lot of time in the studio doing voiceovers for these little games and just kind of chatting to sound engineers going I really enjoy this what's the way in how mm. do I because I only ever do something in the studio if it's related to a project that I'm already doing and it was always the same thing who's your agent well I didn't have a voice agent at that point um what's your show reel like well it was fairly sparse at the time so <clears throat> probably about 2017 2016 I thought right I've got to do something about this and I put together a show reel of various bits and bobs that I'd done over the years it was probably only about you know a couple of minutes long and I just every year I did a massive emailing um, for about, uh, so it was 16, 17, 18, 19. So for three years, every year, come February, March, I would write to just about every voiceover agent in the country um, and send a link. Um, and by then I'd built my puppetry website, so I'd send links to that. And I got so close on a number of occasions to, <laughs> to bagging an agent. Um, for whatever reason, it, even, it fell through. There was one agency, which was quite a large one, and the guy was really interested, but then he left to join another agency. And as soon as he left, that agency lost interest. You know, it's it's, mm. it's the usual thing. And then um, Jennifer Cave at Shining Voices approached me because I'd sent her my stuff and we got chatting. And um, I, I looked at her website, I looked at who she had and the kind of stuff that she was doing. And she was <clears throat> really supportive and enthusiastic about me you know possibly having a career doing this and so she signed me on and that's really the moment where the doors open for me I've done a lot of other stuff in the background actually what I should also say is prior to that prior to Jennifer signing me on I had made contact with Dirk Maggs who um, is kind of a legendary director of audio dramas and stuff you know date you know all the, the not recently the Sandman for audible which i was lucky enough to be on and he's a, um, a muppet fan so we'd connected on facebook and i you know every year i'd send him a little note going you know maybe if you're doing something i could just be a bit of waller in the background <laughs> i die really well um and at one point i'd done a short film as a puppeteer called dead air which is kind of like gremlins on a plane and uh, the director of that invited me to a film um, festival in woking to do a talk on creatures and dirt came along to it um, and we got wow. chatting. I know, because I, I, he's fairly local, I think, to Woking. Uh -huh. um, and so we met face-to-face, -face, and literally about three weeks after we met face-to-face, -face, I got an offer through for um, Alien Sea of Sorrows, I think it was. Just a little part. But I think doing that with Dirk got the attention of of uh, Jennifer at Shining Voices. So, you know, it's it's how did I get into voiceovers it's a bit of a convoluted mess it's just little bits here and there and then making the concerted effort that that's what I wanted to do but also you know trying to contact people via LinkedIn and Facebook that are in the industry and then as soon as I got the agent and I got that um, audible credit I think it gave Jennifer the ammunition that she needed to kind of push me with other companies but mm. I mean I was with her probably almost two years maybe a year and a half before she managed to get me seen by any of the games companies it, it was really hard work for her because you know who, who am i I'm, I'm just this i'm just this guy yeah um, but eventually she did manage to get me in on a on a 
kind of general audition that they do occasionally where they're just seeing who's out there um and and that kind of again so that opened the door for games um so it's 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 been a gradual accumulation it feels like a big boulder rolling down a hill and it's just starting to speed up now which is yeah. really exciting um but there is no, no way so occasionally i get emails now from people going how do you and i just go well look this is how i did it mm. but i've got no idea how you're going to do it <laughs> well yeah you might know somebody i mean for years and years i tried to i pestered big finish big time because I'm such a Doctor Who nut. Um, I had no idea what happened to those emails. They presumably, you know, straight in the bin. Spam, spam folder, <laughs> I'm sure. Straight in the spam folder. But eventually I got a big finish because um, the guy who was directing it, uh, Sam Clements, was, um, I'd worked with him on a pilot for Disney as a puppeteer. He was an actor in it. I was a puppeteer. And we just spent the whole day chatting. Um, that we were shooting it and then a couple of years later he's like oh I think Andy might be good for this he's good at voices mm. and so that that's how I got in completely unplanned yeah um, and then you meet people and hopefully they like you so you get another one it, it's it's networking which yeah. I, I am I have to say terrible at bizarrely um, I don't enjoy it at all it's 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 about finding that balance of networking without you know being a pain in the butt yeah which networking is, without trying to sell um yes yes which is a balance i try and kind of have on my twitter feed and stuff which is like i don't want to post something that's like hey look at me i'm awesome i'm doing this thing with this thing i try i try and make it humorous or a little bit stupid or a little bit self-depreciating something to just take that kind of arrogant sting out of it yeah i, I don't know it's a really tough call isn't it There's... have i babbled on enough i feel like i've been going on for years <laughs> no absolutely like everyone's story <clears throat> and everyone's way into vo is always fascinating to me because they are so weird and varied in how they do it it's not just a straight mm. linear path from oh no. i'm gonna do vo oh i've got an agent oh i just booked a major gig Oh, I'm now yeah. rolling in yeah. money. It, it's a meandering path that goes past rivers and streams and over mountains and through mines, and eventually yeah. it'll like it may hit a couple of roadblocks. But then you get around the roadblocks, you find other ways to do what you really want to do, and that's always fascinating. I mean, it, it, to me. it, it also it's changed. It's cha- when I first started thinking about it. When I first start, when I first came out of drama school in the nineties, which sound you know to me feels like yesterday, but to everybody else is ancient history. The only way you could get your showreels to anybody was by, you know, creating something on a VHS tape, then copying that and then bunging a 10 by 8 in a jiffy bag and sending it out and just hoping. Mm. Um, and, you know, now, uh, and, and, you know, the same essentially with with VO work, you'd bung it on a cassette and stick it in a bag and, and, and hope. Now it's so much easier to create stuff at home with computers and, you know, MP3, you got, got, got all of that stuff. You can put your stuff online instantly. You can put it on Twitter. So you've immediately got, you know, X amount of people looking at it. Yeah. But because of the democratization of the technology, you've somehow you've got to find a way to kind of rise above the background noise. Yes. Because everybody else is doing the same thing. I was and I will always be eternally grateful to the opportunities that I've had to work with people like the Muppets and Jerry Anderson's Firestorm and <clears throat> and Dark Crystal and stuff like that, because. It, it has made my life easier, if I'm honest, because well, you stick that on a tweet or on your bio and immediately people are like, you did what? It is prick up. 
Uh, right, exactly. So that gives you a, um, a certain amount. You know, same with doing a big finish in Doctor Who. As soon as you can put Doctor Who or Sandman or something on your on your website, there's there's a certain amount of people that will that will click on it. So I'm very very grateful to that because I know that without any of those things, it would be very very difficult for me to get any kind of attention, no matter how talented you are. And mm. there are some immensely talented people out there. Um, yourself included, and 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 Rihanna, who who, who uh, have I said her name right? Rihanna? I believe so. Yes, Rhiannon. Oh, she's Rhiannon. Kill me. <clears throat> you know who's directing Readers Excess? She's brilliant. Mm. But you know, I I just want people to know that because it's so hard for for anybody to get any kind of attention because, as I said, the democratization of technology means that everybody. Everyone can get their stuff and when you've got sites like god help us fiverr okay. and uh, voice work. realm uh you know i'll do 60 pages of dialogue for five dollars oh god you know i mean that's that's also we can probably talk about that later having a backfiring effect on the industry anyway because people are asking for more and more for less and less because their constant refrain is well there's a guy on uh, voice realm who'll do it for 180 you're asking for this and it's like well yeah <laughs> yeah but when you're paying the... 200 not only are you getting the years of experience that i have you also get the yes years of experience i have building the booth and years of experience that i yes. have in editing everything the guy that's going to do it for 50 60 70 percent less has none yes. of that otherwise they wouldn't be on upwork well, also, the, the whole idea that they can use that commercial any way that they like globally in perpetuity for, like, £200 or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other... That's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other, other podcast. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, so I've, I've got written on my, on my list of questions other things because okay. you're not just a voice actor. You do so much more. Like, as the, the reels <laughs> that we've well, I've put at the start of the show can attest right. to, you do, obviously you do your voiceover stuff, but you do yes. on-camera acting, you also do puppetry, um, like you've done stuff with, as you've alluded to previously, with The Muppets mm. um, and Jerry yeah. Anderson, and uh, you, you just have an incredible array of talents. How, oh, how, oh, shut up. <laughs> how, how, how did the puppetry side of things come about? Um, Again, it was that thing of uh, it, it kind of it weaves in and out of the, of the voiceover stuff because mm. I went to uh, after I didn't go into radio um, and I went and got my A-levels. I then went into drama school and it's it's a weird combination of events that kind of led to me doing puppetry in the sense that I'd always again, it was something like I said at the beginning of this chat, you know, I probably should have been a director because I'm interested in everything. Mm. I was always interested in puppetry and creatures and monsters and stuff because, you know, you know, born in the early 70s, I was right slap bang in the middle of Muppets, Labyrinth, Star Wars, mm. Doctor Who, all of that stuff. So, you know, that that's that's me as an adult. I'm just a big hairy geek. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I, I, I did my three years at drama school and I... We could have a whole discussion about drama schools and their worth as well, if you like. But that's another one. I came out of it going, well, I really like performing, but I really hate being in front of people. <laughs> um, I can't. It, 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 and I don't know what to do about it because I just freeze up. I become very, very physically self-conscious. Mm. But I still want to perform. What can I do? And then I was like, well, you know, puppetry. I was always interested in that. And I'd mucked around with puppets and cameras and stuff when I was a kid. 
So I wrote a letter to the Jim Henson Creature Shop, which was based in Camden at the time. This would have probably been about 93, 94, something like that. And what I didn't know was is that they were just about to start auditions because they were gearing up for Muppet Treasure Island and they basically needed a, a ton of puppeteers. Mm. Um, so I went and did the, uh, the initial audition and then I went back and did uh, kind of like a two-week workshop where I think they started off with like 20 of us and by week two there was eight. It was kind of like, you know, X Factor for yeah. puppets. Um, and then as soon as that, that finished, I kind of just started working for them in a, in a little capacity. I just, you know, if so, <laughs> I wasn't obviously their, their main go-to guy, but if somebody got ill, um, you know, and there was a commercial and they needed somebody to do a left hand, <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I'd do the job. But then obviously as soon as you've got uh, the Jim Henson company on your CV that kind of again it opens doors for you in that kind of arena so i did a little bit of work on the original the the uh, spitting image series um and then obviously muppet treasure island came along and i was on that for probably about five or six months uh, i was initially thinking i was only going to be there for a, about a week but i just never left <laughs> um uh, which was amazing um i also did 101 dalmatians which came out a couple of years later um and and some commercials and stuff and you know and then that kind of wove in between little bits of acting work i mean very very little i did the bill everybody did the bill at some point i did the knock um you know so but it was mostly the puppetry uh that i kept doing because that's what i really enjoyed and i did a tv series called tiny and crew which was on sky uh, I think it was on the Family Channel when that still existed, and then on on the Living Channel for a while. I was on an, I, that. That was a show that kind of ran on and off for about seven years, mm. where I played this this puppet character. Um, and again, it's that thing of what we, obviously obviously we spoke about um, going into the studio a lot to do online content, especially later. But the thing about puppetry is, especially as again we've said with Henson's, they like you to do the, the voices is it gave me this opportunity to create these characters and lots of different character voices and, and accents and attitudes, which is all stuff, which is completely, you know, fed into my, uh, my career as a, as a, as a voice actor, because it's really, really, it's a really nice skill to have to mm. be able to go, you know, hop accents, uh, different tones of voices. I wouldn't say I'm not an impressionist. I don't really do impressions, my heroes growing up, if I, if I was to talk about like voice actors or actors in general, would be people like Mel Blanc um, yes. and Peter Sellers and Peter Ustinoff and John Pertwee, who were not impersonators, but they were mimics and had archetypes that they played really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that all has fed into the voice work and fed into the puppetry. Um so yeah, again, it was it was just fortuitous that I wrote the letter to the Henson Creature Shop when I did. Mm. It happened to be the right time. It happened to be the right time. Um, exactly. I I remember somebody asking um, one of the puppeteers on Muppets Most Wanted, which was shot in the UK. You know, you know, how do you get the work? How do you progress in this industry? And he said, and it, and it's very true. He said, you've got to put yourself in the position where an opportunity will arise. Mm. It's no point in sitting at home and waiting for the phone to ring. It's it's not going to happen. And I learned that the hard way when I was first starting out because I hated putting myself forward. I felt, I, you know, my my wife used to say to me, she'd say, well, why don't you call so-and-so? They, you work with them on, 
you know such and such a thing they might be able to help and i go i don't i don't really want to exploit our friendship yeah and it's like well it, you're not it, it's how you approach it and, and networking is difficult and it's a, and it's a skill in and yes. of itself but i'm i'm getting i'm getting better so again yeah. you know it puppetry is just something that i'm not going to say landed you know it landed in my lap it didn't but when it did, I, I took the opportunity. And I think that's it. I think that's my attitude now is if something comes along, I'll grab it. Yes. Um, I think I was fairly timid when I first started out. I think most, you know, you are when you're young, when you're in your early yeah. 20s. You, your ego gets in the way and you're worried about failing. Um, yeah. You're worried about, you know, messing up and, and what other people yes. will think about you and what your peers will think about you. And... Exactly. And you soon learn that none of that matters. No, no. Well, it don't soon learn it took me a while and and now i'm like i'll tend to gravitate towards things that actually scare me a little mm. i'll still put myself forward because i'll go well you know no matter what happens the sun's still going to come up tomorrow well, so. exactly <laughs> like adventure begins at the end of your comfort zone i think someone very famously once said um, that's very good i shall grab that <laughs> i shall grab that um but as as like as as we've been talking i've kind of kind of realized that You've been dotted about my childhood in various different ways that I had no oh, idea. Oh no, you were I'm not that of. old. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm only 28. So when um, like the the Muppets, um, mm. Muppets Treasure Island CD-ROM that yes. you were speaking about, I played that. And oh, I did you? I've I, never actually seen it. It's really good. <laughs> There were two, I think. There was a Muppet Treasure Island CD-ROM and just the Muppet CD-ROM. Um, I think I might have a copy somewhere <laughs> of one of them, but I've never, I never watch anything I do or listen to anything I do. Yeah, I just, I, I'm can't. kind of the same. I, I do find it a little bit weird. Yeah, I, I can enjoy things for in, enjoying the medium and enjoying the story, but as soon as it gets to yes. my part, I'm like. Mm. Actually, yeah, I'm that's just different. me doing a silly voice. Yeah, what's he doing there? It's like when you listen to your reel, it's like, why would anyone hire me from this? And then oh, you God, and then yes. people hire you. It's like, oh, apparently that person. Uh, well, that's another thing. It's very, very interesting because I, I was talking, I was doing um, something yesterday. I was on a on a doing some mocap yesterday, mm. and I know the. It turned out you don't always know who the director is going to be when you <laughs> turn up for these things but it turned out that it was somebody i knew so we were chatting and i think that if if anybody was to say to say to me something along the lines of you know what's the single piece of advice that you would give to an actor or something um that you've learned that you think is really important recently i'd go it's just to let go of your own ego um i used to be the kind of actor and it probably didn't do me any good that even if the director was happy if i wasn't I'd be the one going. Ah, can we? Can we just do one more? Mm. Can we? Can I didn't feel like I got the second syllable on that word, right? You know, wh- whatever. Um, and very often, you know, the director would be fine. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course, course. But certainly over the last say five or six years, I've learned that if if the client, stroke director, stroke whatever is happy, walk away. Mm. It makes for a much more relaxed atmosphere, and it makes you a lot less um, precious and anxious i think as a performer because they very often act as the worst critics of their own performances anyway um so i think that ability to just let go mm. are you happy with it great then i'm happy with it yeah 
you know and very often then you get a little bit of space from it and you listen to it six months later when it comes out and you go oh yeah they were right <laughs> yeah well, turns out they don't know what they're talking about these two <laughs> yeah exactly Tr- trust others opinion others opinions of you i yeah, think it's because probably what as I'd you say. as you so rightly so actors we are our own worst critics um yes and we will second guess every single performance we we've ever given unless we have yes. someone at the back of the room going that was brilliant don't change it yes yes and so rarely does that happen <laughs> get off do it again yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. showing my show, showing my fragility there <laughs> um so you've obviously been involved in so many different projects um mm. what are like pitfalls or difficulties that you've had in your career so far or from the beginning in, um, in what sense so Just... like um difficulties so networking for example was a difficulty <sighs> that you you came across and then you right kind of overcame are there any other ones like that where you could have where it, it could have all fallen apart if you hadn't well it did it did all fall apart for a while i i kind of i had a really good run from about 94 through to about 2003 or four so i had a really good run of stuff for about 10 years Hmm. and then i you know i I don't know what i don't know what happened it was like somebody turned the work tap off Hmm. it just it stopped i still had an agent um but nothing was coming in no auditions no nothing and I retrained. Um, I I was kind of like with a mind of like I need if I'm gonna not do this if I'm not gonna do what I want then I want to do something I don't just want to stock shelves I don't want to just have a you know a minimum wage I want to try and do yeah. something that's meaningful if not to me then to others or whatever so I I went into social care and for a long time I was working as a teaching assistant and carer for children young adults vulnerable adults with autism Mm. um i worked for the national autistic society i worked for a couple of uh, specialist schools and actually i was working for the um uh national autistic society when the call for muppets most wanted came in Mm. and it was most bizarre series of events because i was I'd literally had the conversation with people where I was like, this is it, I'm going to cut my hair, shave off the beard, get a proper job, grow up, none of this nonsense anymore. And then this call came in that they were going to be shooting Muppets Most Wanted in the UK. And they were looking for anybody that they knew in the UK that might still be active Mm. um, as a puppeteer. And my name just happened to be on a list, um, I guess because of Muppet Treasure Island and a few other things. And so the offer came in for a week, and they were like, would you like to do it? And I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but my, my thought process was that um, I'll do this. I started with a Muppet movie. I'll end with one. I'll wave goodbye to it all. I'll cut my hair. I'll get a proper job, job done. This would be a swan song kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was completely at peace with that. I was, I was like, this is a great way to kind of bow out on my own terms in a way. But, you know, it's just that the landscape had changed so much in that in that kind of eight year period where I hadn't done much that you know I start you know I got into a room I was older I'd I'd had kids by then um I was probably a little bit more relaxed and so you know I started working on Muppets Most Wanted and then an audition came up for a show called oh what was it it was on Sky it was kind of elaborate it was the people that do Horrid Histories oh um, um 
brain's gone dead. Whatever, yeah. it was a show. Um, so they said, do you want to audition for it? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I went along to the audition, didn't get that. But what happened, it was the most bizarre series of events. It's kind of those things that people write in a book and go, you'll never believe this happened, <laughs> but hand on heart. I, I left the, the, the rehearsal, the, the audition room was at Elstree. Um, the film studios and I left I walked out of the room and li- literally coming out of the door opposite where there's another puppeteer that I knew and he was like what are you doing here and I was like oh I'm just auditioning for this thing what are you doing here and he said oh we're just gearing up for this um, TV show called uh, That Puppet Game Show which Henson's were doing do you want to come in and say hello to everybody because he knew I knew a lot of them and I was like uh, yeah okay so I walked in and you know it was everybody that more or less had been on Muppet Treasure Island and Brian Henson was there and he came over and goes, Andrew? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, are you still doing this? And I went, I'm still trying to do it, Brian. Oh, you should, you know, and we got chatting. Um, and then, so I, I didn't get the other job, but I got a job on, on that, that puppet game show. So I was on that show for like eight or nine weeks shooting at Elstree. And then off the back of that, I started hearing auditions were going forward for this uh, Sesame Street spinoff. Um, Furchester Hotel so I put myself forward for that audition for that got that job and that was a great job that ran for you know um, I think we did uh, like 110 112 episodes of that something and then you know during that course I was getting my voiceover career going so oh just knocked the mic I apologize so you know again it's this whole thing about how did you do it I, I didn't plan any of that mm. that is all just happenstance but also a little bit of me making sure i'm putting myself in the right position to hear of things when they're going on um so so again without the audition that you didn't get you might not have even bumped into the friend that you knew who then wouldn't have invited you into the room to meet everyone to see everyone else and if i hadn't done that i probably wouldn't have heard about the furchester and if i hadn't heard about the furchester blah 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 blah. and you know it goes it goes on and on um so yes hard work is a part of it but you can't factor in the luck factor. You know, mm. it's just, it is just there and happenstance. But you can try and maneuver yourself into situations where you might meet people, which is why, you know, video games conferences for voiceover actors uh, or anything like that is, is, a, is, a, is a good idea. Mm. Take, a, take a pack, you know, get some business cards made up and just go and talk to people because, you know, chances are it's probably not going to amount to anything, but, but it if might. It does. All it then, takes is one, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, have I sucked all the air out of the room? No, <laughs> not at all. Just, it, it just makes me kind of makes me realise just like all these other things that I'd either been putting off or going, mm, I probably wouldn't be any good at that, or Ooh, that that voice isn't in my range at all. It just kind of makes me go, dude, why don't you just go for it anyway and see what happens? Um, yeah, and I think as a voice actor, that's that's you, you should just go for it anyway. I mean, I I'm trying to think how I got onto the Penny Peep show. I think it was probably through Jackie, who introduced me to Kieran, and I really only did it as a as a one off on the Pirate Queen, mm. but um, loved the end result so much, and I think Kieran really enjoyed working with me, and I enjoyed working with him. So mm. then you know, Lady Midnight comes up, and that works again, and so. And you know who knows where any of us are going to be in five years' time. Absolutely. Um, like, so yeah, so I I I got Lady Midnight again through Jackie as a referral. Right. Um, someone else uh. I think had dropped out, and Kieran was looking for people that he could trust, and 
Jackie was like, well, there are really only two people that I could think of for, for this particular part. Um, it's either this guy who wasn't available or me. So I was like, great. Well, I'll do it then. And yeah. it's I, I love working with Kieran. He's a fantastic director that knows exactly what he wants and how to get it out yeah. of you as well. Um, yeah. And the voices that I do for Penny Peep Show, I probably wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. Um, yes, and that's the other thing that I like working with him, with him is is that because it's and this isn't putting it down, but because we're not being being paid, we're doing it for the love of it, mm. um, and because he's such a good director and the writing is so good, um, it pushes us, I think, to try things and do things that we wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing if we were being paid yeah, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> although uh, I, i'm hearing myself saying that and going no you should still do that when you're being paid <laughs> you know well, sometimes yeah. you land on something amazing that you didn't expect <laughs> yeah you, bold choices my boy is um someone someone used to used to say to me when i was doing um uh theater and like amateur mm. dramatic productions bold choices make bold yeah, choices give them what the they want in the audition out. Yeah. Oh, I see. Get, definitely give them what they want in the audition because they have an idea of what they want. But if the opportunity is there, maybe maybe just have a slightly off the wall or completely different take in your locker. Yeah. Uh, that you can whip out and go. Well, have, have you thought about this? I mean, I remember when I was when we were doing stuff on the Furchester Hotel. There was a lot of you know background characters that only had one line or something like that. And um, what I liked about that job was that you know somebody would run in and go we need somebody to play chicken (laughs) (laughs) are you free yeah i'll do the chicken that's fine um and one day they gave me a sheep um and i had noticed that there's this innate thing in all voice actors or puppeteers that when you give them a sheep they automatically kind of turn into larry the lamb does larry the lamb mean anything to you probably not but he was a character in a kid's show when i was a kid and he just sounded like oh mr (laughs) and it's like well yeah i get i get it it's a it's a sheep you know that's fair enough but i thought i don't want to do that that he's only got one line and it's not you know it's not that funny i've got to do something with it and you kind of hunt around in your head and you go what can i do what can i do What, what have i got and i landed on brian sewell do you remember brian sewell he was he was a critic. He's died, but he speaks like he used to speak like this. He had a very strange way of speaking. Yes, it and I was like, why why wouldn't a sheep sound like that? We've already established it's a talking sheep, so well, you yeah. know, um, theoretically, <laughs> you can have any vocal range at once. Exactly. So I, I, I went with Brian Sewell, and they were like, yeah, no, that's great, do that. So yeah, definitely make give them what they want, but then have a a, a very very different take of your own. Mm that maybe you can show them as well, just to show them also that you've got a range well, yeah. beyond what they're asking you to do and also that you've thought about it, um, you know, that you, you've you looked at the character and gone, well, maybe this would work as well. Um, but again, I like that's what I like about voice work is that um, even more so than um, puppetry, really, is the fact that, especially on games, um, you've got no time to prepare. Mm. So that... I like thinking on my feet because I find just me as a person and my the way my brain works, if I overthink something, I can kind of get bogged down. Mm. It's usually much better for me if I'm just kind of tap dancing around the panic <laughs> <laughs> and, and thinking on my feet and then, then something will just happen. Um, certainly with video games, that happens a lot because you're literally going in, you've probably not seen the script, you've got an hour. Yeah you've got to give a believable read in two takes 
maybe three if you're lucky so you've got to be able to think on your feet and i really enjoy that aspect of it i mean it's the same also with audio dramas as i'm sure mm. you know you've got no time really um and very little if ever any kind of rehearsal time yeah um like, certainly on sorry I'll, I'll let you carry on uh the, the 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 sorry to interrupt uh the no, no. the first um the first gig that i ever booked was an audio drama um called for a production called in between um and in the session that i did for that we were having issues with bandwidth on their end and my end so oh, they were right. trying to do yeah, like yeah, the yeah. whole um right well we've got your scene partner right here who's going to read the script with like read the scene with you and then you can just record that like your your natural reaction to it in line with the script and we'll use that and it right. was like right that's brilliant but it's coming in three seconds on a delay can, can, can we lose the camera can we, can, can we try yeah yeah some, something so i can i can actually go okay yes this actually feels like a normal conversation rather than oh that's what you mean <laughs> yeah right yeah mm-hmm. yes, yeah yes, and yes. the whole covid thing has has kind of been interesting in that sense yeah. i mean i uh going going back to what we were saying i mean even on sandman there was usually on one of the audibles um you at least get a table read mm. where you sit around a table and everybody's in the room usually a day before um and then you'll get some notes um and then you really just even then you just have to run with it but sandman i don't think we even did a table read because it was such a large uh production that recorded over several weeks you literally walked in and you were doing it you'd do it through you'd get your notes you'd probably do it through again and then that was it Mm. Uh, certainly one of them one of the shorter ones i remember which is probably only about 25 minutes long i can't remember which one it was dirt came in and just went right we're doing this as a as a we're going to record this like an old-fashioned live radio recording we're going to do it all the way through once and if it's great it's great if it isn't i'll go back and pick up stuff afterwards and we did we just ran it all the way through and then he went back and picked up what he needed so you've got to think on your feet and i me personally i love that but mm. i can also understand that for some actors it's like no no i need i need at least a week's preparation <laughs> and it's like well sorry <laughs> you, you haven't got a week's preparation that's why when when i'm recording with kieran i try and set the recording date or the the session date like almost the week that i get the script because right. i go i have a small amount of time with it so if i need to i can read through and go pick out some some key bits and key phrases and then straight in straight into the yes. straight into the booth and it's it's done i don't have to constantly pick over a performance that i'm going to give in three weeks time by that time right. the script may have changed yeah yeah no yes exactly and of course the whole covid thing has completely turned everything up on well, you yeah. know, upside down um it's tricky isn't it because when i've done i've been lucky and i've done some animation as well and when you do animation it's very much like video games you you go in and you just do your lines mm. um and you trust that the director knows what the performance what is that he doing. wants and you you know you give them different variations and they can slot it slot it in to make it all fit and that's essentially how we do the penny peep shows mm. um <clears throat> But so many of the productions I've done, especially um, a couple of the big Finnish ones um, during COVID, it's been a multiple Zoom call Mm. uh, like we're doing here. And, you know, you are trying to perform it like a piece, like you were in the studio, but you do have that 
occasionally you know the internet gets in the way and there is yeah. a delay you you have and everybody disconnect. yeah and you start a line and then everybody goes where's andrew and you go i've just started oh i've only just got that you know and it and it's worked and it's been okay for the most part but it's it it's no you know yeah. it, it's so much better to be in a room with people yes very much so um mm. i'm actually quite looking forward to the first time that i go into a go into a studio and there's three other people around me that are also my scene partners like oh this is gonna be fun oh, that'd be nice wouldn't it blimey i'm sick of having to record my own stuff as well and be a sound <laughs> engineer because you know i know the basics and i'm fine but you know <laughs> i'm not a sound engineer you're an actor not a sound engineer <laughs> I'm, I'm an actor i do silly voices for a living <laughs> isn't that the dream though yeah totally totally if i if i think if my 17 year old self knew what i was you know what i was going to do he'd be very happy because <laughs> it kind of tickles all of those things that i was interested in it's the acting it's the it's the it's the voices and the accents and it's the you know the, the technical side as well so it, it it's it ticks uh, voiceover work ticks a lot of boxes for me yeah um, what would what would you say was your your favorite thing that you've ever worked on so far oh god i mean it's so hard because you like there are things that i've like worked on that um i really enjoyed that nobody liked do you know what i mean it, it's one of those things where uh, it's the end result for me is probably less important than the experience mm. um what did i uh, i because i'll say one thing and then i'll go oh but i also enjoyed xyz i will say that just from an experience point of view doing my first ever uh, as a voice art well let's do puppetry puppetry <clears throat> I'm going to have to go with Furchester Hotel mm-hmm. um, just because it was um, the first time I played a, a main character. I was one of the three main leads in it. And so that was scary. But once we got <laughs> into the run of it and I knew who the character was, I had a fantastic time on that. So puppetry that. Acting, straight acting, as in on telly and stuff. I've not really done enough, to be honest, mate. I did a um I did thoroughly enjoy two shows that I did in the last two years. One was a show called Lee and Dean, which was a sitcom on Channel Four, and I played a character called <laughs> called Derek Steps, who was a, a, a mystical mute tree rubber. I'm just gonna <laughs> let that sentence sentence hang in the air there. A mystical mute tree rubber. Well, bark rubber, let's call him that. Bark. Yeah, we'll just let that hang in the air. Just let people think about that. There just we let go. That um and I also played a character last year uh, called Flat Alistair, who was uh, one of the scarecrows in Mackenzie Crook's Wells of Gummidge reboot. Mm. Um, that was that was a lot of fun, and I'm hoping to do some more of those at some point. Um, and voiceover work, hmm. I think I think you just you remember the first thing that you did that made you really excited that you were just there that you felt, mm. oh God, I made it. I, so my first big finish was a big deal. Um, that was uh, Sylvester McCoy. Um, show called The Psychic Circus which was a sequel or prequel to one of his original TV episodes and so you know just being in the room with him and and saying things like doctor you know <laughs> I just every hair on the back of my neck went up um, and um, you know Sandman that was kind of like the perfect storm for me it was like uh, you know Dirk Mags Neil Gaiman 
I, you know, I'm just I'm just happy to be in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I also did uh, uh, Unseen Academicals for Dirk, which was uh, a Terry Pratchett adaptation. So again, that was another moment of like, I'm doing a Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> All my nerd fibres were going absolutely bonkers. Absolutely. And recently, recently, just uh, I should of course mention how proud I am to have done Cyberpunk 2077. Because I can finally talk about that. I that didn't even know yesterday. you were in Cyberpunk 2077. Where Did can you? I find you? Where have you been? I've absolutely drenched my Twitter feed in that in the last day. Because <laughs> 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 I've been sitting on that for like a year and a half. Um, yeah. I haven't been able to say anything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just to be in something that big. And, you know, for the first year, I didn't even know what it was. Well, yeah. Because they don't, they, they don't tell you what it is. You just get a code name. It wasn't until probably about six months ago that I kind of just twigged and went, wait a second, is this what I think it is? And, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, um, of course, you've worked on you worked on AC Valhalla as well, which I've yes. been playing and I can't find you in it yet, but I'll find you. I'm, I, I'm in there somewhere. I mean, th- this is the thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm never a main character. Hmm. Um, they tend to get me in because I'm good at accents and different tones of voice. So I I tend to be, you know, all the other characters. (laughs) If you hear somebody scream and die, it's probably me. If it's a character that's got like no more than about 12 or 15 lines of dialogue, it's probably me. Um, I'm in there somewhere. uh, And I had to learn some old English for that, for Assassin's Creed. So that was that was interesting. Um, But and also, yeah, um, came out yesterday, one that I was just so jazzed to be in which was uh, a big finish one called genetics of the daleks because mm. it's just like it's daleks well, yeah. and it's tom baker and tom baker was my doctor so i didn't get to meet him unfortunately because of the bloody covid bloody COVID. um but you know just just uh like i had a quick listen to some of it this morning um not all of it because as we've established i can't <laughs> listen to myself but i was like there's that one scene between me and tom i'll listen to that and i'm like yeah it's my voice with tom <laughs> <laughs> again your, your little I'm nerd fiber is just just oh, firing, like synapses just firing all over just, the place like i am really really happy right now yes yes and i am i i i'm for, forever telling people how grateful i am because i i am I'm, mm. I'm i'm super super grateful and feel incredibly lucky to not only do what i do but have been just been given the opportunity to do it by so many brilliant people um but I would say that anybody who is starting out, you know, especially in the voiceover industry, the, the, the benefit of the voiceover industry in the UK, I would say, is that in some respects, it's it's a bit of a cottage industry. Um, so if you know how to use things like LinkedIn and, mm. and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, it's actually not impossible to get in touch with people that are generating work and the leading lights in this industry. And for the most part, they're incredibly friendly and open to you contacting them and telling them how much you like the work and, and, and stuff like that. You've just got, it's that networking thing. We're saying it's just finding that tone that isn't irritating and is yeah. friendly and open. I Whenever I send um, a letter to anybody, a cold letter on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is an amazing resource for, I, especially voice actors, because I would imagine that virtually every sound engineer that works at any games company is probably on LinkedIn. and they can probably yeah exactly and they can usually put you in touch with the the casting department um whenever i'm writing a cold letter to somebody i always make sure to make it short to the point um 
I usually try and obviously put a link to my website and, and stuff like that so they can search if they want to. But I think the important thing for me is to just not take up any of their time. And rather mm. than at the end of the letter saying, you know, regards, Andrew, I always just say thank you for your time. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's really important. You're, you're acknowledging that if they've taken the time to read this, then they, they have taken time out of their day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and for the most part, people are very open. To, to being contacted you know just don't send them 27 pages of your life history <laughs> they just they just want to know if you're useful to them i became a voice actor 37 years ago it was a truth when i was maybe yes. i was born on april 28 <laughs> 1971 yeah yeah they don't they don't need that don't need no that. i mean <laughs> i'm sure they have received it from some people some people so so green they might as well be grass but um <laughs> yeah, they did I was with a guy once and he showed me a letter he was sending to somebody and it was like three pages and I was like dude you know it's very interesting and you've done I, this is where you've got fantastic but all you need is that last paragraph where mm. you're selling yourself telling them what you think you can bring, bring um, and showing them the links if they want to explore your work more that is all you need Yeah, they haven't got time they're going to open up, see six pages of whatever it was, and they're just going to okay. go, Ugh. <laughs> No. <laughs> you know, a paragraph. Less than that if you can really, really yeah. hone it. And, and then maybe, and, and if they contact you, then, then you, can, you can start wittering away. Like <laughs> I have been. For them. <laughs> it's not wittering, it's a podcast, dear boy. Oh, yeah, it could go on for days. Okay. <laughs> Day 73. We've run out of food. There's no coffee. Andrew hasn't stopped talking. <laughs> it's honestly quite impressive. Mm, thank you. Um, are there any people in the industry that in- inspire you? Right, yes. Um, in terms of puppetry, I would say Dave Goals, um, who plays Gonzo. I would spend literally days just watching him work on Muppet Treasure Island. Even when I wasn't needed on set, I would be sitting there watching him. Um, there was just something about his character. <laughs> Gonzo has always been my favourite Muppet, but also about his performance. There's such a relaxed way he performs, but it's so precise. Um, in terms of voiceover, now this this is interesting because I, I spoke to Rhea about this recently because all, all the people that she kind of cites as inspirations tend to be from the world of anime and cartoons and Mm. and and stuff like that um stuff that i am a little bit too old i say a little bit massively too old to really appreciate because it came after my childhood Mm. um so in terms of voiceover it tends to be more the actors like i said earlier it tends to be people like mel blank and peter ustinoff and peter sellers i used to listen to the goon show so much and i was utterly blown away by the amount of characters that both Spike Milligan and Peter Sellers played on that show Mm. Um, Peter Sellers especially just seemed to be able to twist and bend himself into so many different characters Um, and you know as as well as being a great obviously film actor as he was late in later years I still think his best work was it's certainly comedic work was the goons and, and all that early stuff that he did for the radio um, you know uh, who's that? Who's that uh, voiceover guy? Uh, De- uh, DiMaggio. Oh, Joe Played DiMaggio. Bender. Yeah, you know those guys. They're they're all an inspiration because they've they've made they've made a massive success. Mm. 
uh, out of what they've done. And as far as acting is concerned, I, I, I don't know, really. I tend to like weird ones. I tend to like people that you kind of question whether they're good actors at all. People like um, Jeff Goldblum just makes me laugh because there's just something inherently Goldblumish about him. And is he a good actor? I don't know. He's certainly Jeff I Goldblum. I really don't. He's definitely Jeff Goldblum. Um, you know, and, and people like that. Uh, Christopher Walken. Now, he is, yes, he is a good actor, but he's also can be extremely bad, but in an incredibly entertaining way. And I think it's I think it's his speech patterns more than anything. He he isn't a really good actor, but as soon as you hear the the walking pause, you know <laughs> yes. it's Christopher Walken. It's crazy. It, it is. It's it's like Shatner as well. I'm yes. convinced that William Shatner is actually a good actor, but he just gave up at some point <laughs> and just realized what he was doing was you know people enjoyed it so he's just carried on doing that um the shatner pause the shatner pause i mean it's shattening it's not acting it's shattening <laughs> it, it, his shattening technique is amazing um i you know i, I that's where my ha- head is with that kind of stuff i i know there are amazing well okay i watched uh we, we spoke about this earlier um i watched tenet Mm. recently um i won't go into it because my head hurts but i loved i loved um uh, patterson in that uh what's his name robert patterson, patterson. robert patterson and he's not an actor that i've really honestly paid much attention to mm. but the reason i liked him in this is because it's an incredibly dense script that's very heavy on mechanics of the plot there's very little personality in these characters really it's very perfunctory but he manages to lift it somehow just by being charming, mm. just in and of himself. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's managed to bring something to it that nobody else here has. And the only other guy in it that did the same thing was Kenneth Branagh, who, again, is an actor I really, really like. He gets a lot of stick for some reason, and I've never understood it, but I think he's a mm. phenomenal actor. I think it's because he's given a couple of questionable performances over the years, and they've been in big budget stuff, so people yeah. have noticed. I mean, but Keanu actually, Reeves when is- he's given some questionable performances well we could talk about keanu as well you see again i don't think keanu's an actor really i think he's an archetype yeah exactly and if you give him the correct vehicle bill and ted uh, john John wick Wick. the matrix you know then he absolutely soars but then you put him something like dracula or there was some other film i saw once where he was an advertising executive Mm -hmm. who burnt out who went to live with Cherise Theron, Shillies, however you pronounce it. And it was dreadful because, you know, they're asking him to emote several emotions at once. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. <laughs> but I love him. I love him in John Wick and those other things. Yeah. It's a, you've got to know where to put Keanu. Yes. Yeah. It, there, there are certain roles where he will thrive in, but they have to be yes. not like completely one dimensional because John Wick is anything but one dimensional. No, but, but he's great. He's fantastic in John Wick, but it's it's mm. the role for Keanu, whereas something yes. where you've got to emote and you've got to be able to convey to an audience what's happening in in internally uh, internally um yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think he's quite got but i do i i love keanu 
But I love him as a person. I think he's, mm. it, it's this thing. It almost feels like you're kicking a puppy when yes. you try and complain about Keanu's acting career uh, abilities. It's like, leave him alone. And it's like, yeah, I will. I'll stop kicking this little puppy. Look, it's looking up at me with its little doe eyes. Sorry, Keanu. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean it. So, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't really. No. I don't really. It seems churlish. You don't watch something like, you know, Bill and Ted face the music for the acting. No. <laughs> You, you watch, watch it, it for, for the nostalgia hit that you get because you yes. remember the last time that you watched Bill and Ted. And it was all right. Yeah. It was all right. It wasn't brilliant, but it was all right. It it's, was it's, fine. It's kind of the reason why you watch Seth Rogen movies. Like I really enjoy Seth Rogen like, as an actor, right. as a director, mm-hmm. but they are pure stoner movies. You can right. enjoy them, but you're going to enjoy them a hell of a lot more if you're a little bit addled. Okay, then maybe that's where I've been going wrong with Seth Rogen <laughs> movies. Although I do like his producer output, you know, Preacher and uh, the boys and stuff. So I'm mm. like, he, 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 there's something going on there. But I've, I've, I think I watched Zach and Miri make a porno. That was, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a funny movie. But then I watched Knocked Up, yes, which was fine, but about 15 hours too long. <laughs> It felt like yes. it was like a two-hour movie, and it felt it should have been like ninety minutes. It's like, wow, I really <laughs> feel like, pregnant after this. <laughs> yeah, it was all these pies I've been eating while <laughs> I've been watching it. But yeah, so I mean, in terms of people that I admire, I I just I like p- people that work hard, mm. and I like people that that have overcome something to get where they are. Um, so there's there's no one person really, you know. I also find it hard when somebody says, uh, "Who's your hero?" And it's like, it's never, it's not going to be an actor. <laughs> no, no offense. I remember um, Bob Hoskins once being asked this question, being asked who's who's your hero, and he told this story about how he was standing. I, I'm paraphrasing massively because this is years ago. I think it was probably in Parkinson or something. And he said, "Who's your hero?" And he went, oh, "I was on standing on um, London Bridge, and there was this there's this young girl with a massive backpack." Um, waiting for the train to come in and she had leg irons on you know uh, when they had um back in the old days you had these braces on your legs mm. I, I don't know what the disorder was um that we had it but it may you know it, it it was very difficult for you to walk and he said and he bob Hoskins went up to her and said uh, um well, let me take your bag for you help you on the train got her on the train and he said where are you going and she went around the world and he went she's my hero and the thing is that parky was not irritated but he kind of dismissed it mm. and he went oh, no i yeah that's great but who what You're actor, professional what, actor what, other, what professional hero and he went no i don't have any it's all just cowboys and indians in it and i was like in true yeah, bob hoskins he's style. Right. yeah and i absolutely fell in love with him at that point i was just like yeah he's, he's right really <laughs> <laughs> who's your acting hero um <laughs> you're an actor you therefore must have an acting hero yeah not not really <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got a podcast hero and he's right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's fantastic. <laughs> well, I admire you for doing a podcast because I it's something that I've toyed with, but I just I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, and and once you start, <laughs> where, where do you go? <laughs> I know. Why why am I doing this again? Who's listening to it? <laughs> well, um so as this podcast is currently one of them are there any other projects that you are currently working on that you can talk about uh what am i well readers xs is 
we're just coming up to doing the last episode of that i don't know if we're going to do that just before christmas or not i'm still kind of going in and doing mocap stuff on uh baldur's gate that's kind uh-huh. of ongoing because you know it just is they keep you know they're obviously just going to keep releasing extra you know side missions well, yeah. and stuff like that um i'm doing another i i did an audiobook uh my first audiobook i was quite pleased with that for games workshop i did uh in the middle of the year i'm gonna go off and do another one in january so they've just sent me the script for that 224 pages to read over three days i'm Ooh. sure it'll be fine no no it'll, it'll be fine i've done it once so i know i can do it now <laughs> well yes <laughs> um so i'll be reading that over over christmas um so is there anything yes there is but i can't there's one other project but i'm still nda'd on that one ah. so there's always one. I can't. I can't say anything. But it's it's another corker that I'm. Yeah. It's another one that should have come out about a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but stuck in the COVID it. development hell. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, there's some other stuff uh, whirling around. But because it's you know it's it's December now, kind of late December, yeah. everybody's either making the decision to try and rush and get stuff done now. Or to just go, eh, nothing's going to happen now to the end of January. <laughs> so I'm kind of just, I can feel my body shutting down. Mm-hmm. I can feel the switches gradually being switched off for the end of the year. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shutting down. I can start Shutdown sequence in initiated. But I have been, you know, inordinately lucky this year, which does obviously bring on massive feelings of guilt because of the you know the the global pandemic but because i managed to set up a home studio fairly quickly when lockdown happened because it was it was something i was thinking about doing anyway so i kind Mm. of had all the equipment it was just a matter of kind of putting it together um it's been a lifesaver um for me in terms of work because especially this year there was a lot of stuff that was ongoing Mm. like um cyberpunk and assassin's creed and various other projects which have yet to see the light of day so they basically didn't have a choice but to use me i mean that's awful but it was a case of we either would go back and re-record everything that he's done Mm. or we help him set up a a home studio and we can record him from home which is uh, essentially what they did i was very lucky because i set up the room um you know i'm not exactly technically inept but i'm by no means an expert but because i set up the room i then then had a couple of jobs that i had to do for side global they actually set aside an hour for me with a sound engineer over source connect to go through everything and make the room um and the mic sound as as good as possible so that was a godsend because that's you know was really handy for later on because it meant as soon as i'd done that job i was set up i was set up and i could do i could do other things so Yes, I'm I'm not taking any of this for granted. If I'm starting to sound see it's the networking bug in my head making <laughs> you go, you're starting to sound arrogant, Andrew. <laughs> I'm not. I'm 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 so grateful to everybody that's been kind enough to throw me work this year. Mm. Um because it yeah, it could have been a nightmare. <laughs> I mean it is a nightmare in many respects, but in terms of earning money <laughs> and well, yeah. actually working, I've been very, very lucky. Absolutely. How how does the the mocap stuff come through to you? Is that more through your agent, or is it because you've known people that work in in mocap? That then... again, it's that last one. It's knowing people. Um, mm-hmm. I one of the first games company that I worked for was a company called Pitstop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first game I did for them was called The Persistence. It was kind of a VR zombie shoot up thing. 
um and you know it's just that it's that networking thing of 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 like you know i went back and did a couple of other games for them and i got to know uh, a lot of the sound engineers and the production managers and stuff and then you know they get to know you and they knew you my puppetry background um and so it was just an opportunity that arose uh where they'd opened a new uh, mocap studio in croydon and they said can you come along and do a couple of hours uh, and i was like oh yeah great um and i'd at that point i'd not done any mocap before mm. at least not paid work um and it was a really interesting process because suddenly i find myself in the volume whatever they call it with the suit on and covered in ping pong balls <laughs> and um you have a thing in front of you which is essentially your your body in 3d mm. and you look a bit like a mighty morphin power ranger <laughs> character and the thing that i said to them and which i don't think any other sorry knock something there uh many of the other actors may have said was is it possible because i was playing a goblin is it possible to overlay the goblin onto that figure and they said yeah actually we can so rather than having that kind of power ranger version of my physique in front of me i i had the i had the goblin character um so that took away the self-consciousness mm. that i suffer from sometimes when it comes to doing a physical performance in front of cameras and it kind of hit all those puppetry buttons in me again because i was like oh actually all i'm doing here <laughs> is essentially a more advanced version of puppetry yeah you're just um, operating a very twist... tiny goblin exactly and if i twist my body in this particular direction it looks kind of weird on me but in the context of that character in front of me that looks kind of cool mm. um and so i ended up really really enjoying it and and they were really pleased um so again it's just one of those things it's like oh we know he can do it we know he's reliable <laughs> we we know that we like working with him so the the workers the workers kind of carried on and mm. of course every time you do it you learn something new and you learn something different so you you get better and better and better at it hopefully well yeah hopefully so again it's just again no i again mocap was something that i'd wanted to get involved with but couldn't really find a way in and mm. I was just lucky that somebody I knew who I'd worked with that liked my stuff gave me the opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. bringing it all back around into that networking bubble. Uh, oh, God. The networking, networking bubble. Yeah, I know. It's it's tricky, isn't it? But if there is any way that you can network without feeling like a prat <laughs> and get your stuff it. out there, then, then yeah, that's, that's the way forward, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, like working out the best way to send an email and go yes this might get me a response rather than um maybe i don't know send it into the void find out yeah i th I think yeah I, i'd be more the last one actually i'd just like write, write the best email you can mm. send it out and then forget about it don't yeah. don't dwell on it don't dwell on it just just get on with your life and then keep doing it and then eventually somebody somewhere will, will Either respond message you back and go Stop sending us emails. <laughs> yes. yes, that's the other thing. Uh, one a year to certain people. <laughs> yes. Like, Maybe one every six months. Have you had a good months. year? Um, it's me again. <laughs> don't give me some work, <laughs> Happy Boxing Day. <laughs> it's Boxing Day. Stay at home with your family. Don't email us. Send. <laughs> leave us alone happy christmas eve christmas eve <laughs> yeah 
Uh, one yeah. a year. One a year. One they know you're year. there. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a website. To... That's the other thing. Get a website. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's just a really, really easy thing. When people say, I want to see some of your stuff. Is there anything you can send? Send them a link. It's all here. Yeah. And certainly it's it's cheaper and easier to put a website, website together now than it has ever been. So mm. um, if that's an option for you, I'd definitely say... Yeah, uh, building a, a semi-decent website is a big help as well. Yeah, I went through um, um, voice uh, voice actor websites for mine. Ah, um, oh, right, okay. They, is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> it is. A, it is actually a thing. Wow. Um, a guy called Joe Joe Davis, I think his name is. Um, right. But he and his partners um, actually just specialize in building websites for voice actors. So they've got. Uh, media media players already built into it so you don't need to go through like voice sam or or anything like that you can literally just ah. take uh, add stuff to it as and when you want and it's all built on uh built on wordpress um right okay and yeah because was... mine's a wordpress site um mm. but, uh, yeah, yeah it's interesting isn't it i find i what i've done with mine is i found that <sighs> just having a whole line of media files that um you know this is my commercial reel this is my mm. it's usually just a, a a time kind of linear bar and a play switch kind of looks a bit uninteresting so what i tend to do is i create a little animation to go with the voice reel mm-hmm. um and then i host it on vimeo and then just link to it from uh, the website because it's finding something that looks attractive to click on does that make sense yes Uh, again it's that thing of I want a website but I want it to look colourful and interesting I don't want it to just look like you know here I am here's my stuff yeah I know it's it's all time consuming isn't it I'm I'm exhausting myself just (laughs) thinking about it (laughs) that could be because I'm almost 50 but you know maybe maybe um so unfortunately we are actually coming to the end of the podcast i've almost run out of questions um okay so if people want to get hold of you what's the best way to do it um well if if you want to see examples of my work the easiest place is the website that's uh com. Um, but I'm also pretty active on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and that's at the only spoon, at the only the spoon. Only spoon. Um, both of them. I'm on LinkedIn as well as Andrew James Spooner, but I, that's more of a networking thing. Uh, mm. I, I post a little bit less on that. So yeah, www.andrewjamesspooner.com and at the only spoon on Twitter and Instagram. So all those links to everyone that would like to go over and say hi to Andy and Hello. Um, that you love his stuff, um, all the links will be down in the description slash show notes slash probably plastered on screen somewhere now. I, um, I'm very happy to answer questions about scones. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how I roped him into this podcast in the first place. I was like, Andrew, I need to ask you a question. It's about a scone. <laughs> I know, it was just like, well, this is different. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, man. We we should certainly do this more often um, because outside of of Penny Peep Show, we haven't really communicated all that much, which is a travesty and a crime. Um, I've made so many connections in this year 
um, due to things like this. It's it's just it just feels like we're all waiting now for everybody <laughs> to get the co- the COVID vaccine, yeah. and then it'll be like right, oh, let's all go heart. into town. <laughs> I can actually meet people. I haven't seen Kieran in face to face in well over a year. Or, yeah. or Jackie, probably. I don't. I don't. I mean, yeah. yeah or Ree. I mean, I've never even met her face to face. No. Um, yeah. We we should definitely get a Penny Peep Show meetup group going at some point. Definitely. And, like meet up in London and and just kind of have a day out in London. That would well, be really fun. Maybe we should do. We should do. Um, maybe just before or just after Christmas, before New Year, we should do like a Zoom, a Penny Peep Show Zoom party. Yes. That would be rad. Actually. Can all just yeah. Well, let's let's do that. Go and yeah. pester Kieran. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll send I'll send Kieran a, an email. I'll, I'll send him this particular bit of the podcast and go. Look, it's okay. not just me that has the idea. It's also Andy. So <laughs> listen to Andy. <laughs> that's not that's not necessarily an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> if I have an idea, people tend to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> if I have an idea, people tend to roll their eyes and go, "Not again." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, not again. Yeah. <laughs> Again with the ideas, come on. Stop, stop, stop. Oh man, this has been great. It has been a hoot. Um, So we are going to close the the podcast there, close the episode there. Any final words, any parting nuggets of wisdom that you would like to impart on our listeners, Andy? Um, What have I I said so far? I've got got a goldfish-like memory. (laughs) Oh, okay, do you know what? Here's one that uh, I get asked a lot at the moment is... um, any advice for any any advice for any upcoming voiceover artists um well we we didn't really touch on my dyslexia we can we could do part two yes. another day we will i would say two. two things don't worry so much initially about the equipment that you've got mics and 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 computers and stuff like that if you're really really serious about being a voice a uh, voice actor actor is the key word voice um acting classes definitely if you can find some near you uh, just to get used to you know getting up and performing in front of people once this whole covid thing is over uh, acting classes and also sight reading just grab a book any book from your house and if you can do 15 minutes of sight reading every day preferably preferably from a book that you um you've not read before because so much of what we do is, especially with games, uh, games that are you know NDA'd up to the eyeballs, is turning up into a room and them showing you a line, go, you know. So sight reading is is really 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 important, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, and the more relaxed you are, you are, and the better the performance is. So yeah, yeah. dry dry and uninteresting advice as it may be, <laughs> acting classes and sight reading it is. Practical nonetheless, because I yes. also have dyslexia. So, um, ah. so yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And right. having like being able to do cold reads is something I somewhat struggle with sometimes. Right. That but, is interesting. I, I could whittle on, but I'm not going to, because maybe we can do that at another time. Yeah, absolutely. This is, we'll, we'll, this is a whole conversation right there. Yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll set up another, another podcast and we'll have you on for another episode of T-Scones and VO. And maybe we'll sweet. might do a, a Penny Peep Show version of T-Scones and VO when we all get together and Ooh. talk. Oh, that would be good. That would be a really cool... All the ideas today. All the ideas. I know. They're just coming. Stop, stop. Oh, not another idea. <laughs> 
I've got a dash, man. I'm really sorry. No, no, it's absolutely <laughs> fine, mate. Absolutely fine. We've come to the end of the episode. So I want to thank thank you very much for, for being here, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and we'll get you on very, very soon for another one. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure here. It's nice to see your hairy face in person. <laughs> it's a shame you can't see mine, but I just refuse to have a camera in my... <laughs> in <your mood. laughs> I'm in the nude! I'm, I'm not, but, you know, I could be. Let's but just leave that know. hanging in the air. No, no, let's just leave that there. The, the audience can think about it. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, I'll catch you later, dude. Bye. Bye.